What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the search for serotonin. How is everybody doing this week? I have been so anxious all week long when I've had no reason to be, but I was especially anxious on Sunday night before I put out the podcast. I had so much stress and worry about how releasing this podcast into the world would go, and I just couldn't get over that fear on Sunday. I kept having thoughts run through my head. You know, I was thinking about every possible scenario. Were people going to love it? Were people going to hate it? Were people ready to hear my experiences and my stories? And I just kind of let all of that worry and panic take over. But on Monday, when I was able to finally put it out and start getting feedback from all of you, it was nothing but positive feedback and kind words. But a lot of you opened up and shared your stories with me or shared really positive feedback with me. So thank you all so much for the love and support. I'm so glad that you are all getting something out of this podcast, and I can't wait to share more with you. So this week, we're going to be talking about anxiety, um, which is ironic because, like I said, I've been feeling anxious all week, even though I launched my podcast into the world and I got great feedback. Um, I was still feeling pretty anxious all week because for me, anxiety is a lot of fear and a lot of worry, and it's a lot of panic about me planning for future situations. So in this case, with the podcast, even though I released the podcast and got good feedback, and felt validated in my fears, um, you think that anxiety would go away, but it didn't. (laughs) People reaching out and giving me good feedback was great for me because that's the response I wanted. But then for my anxiety, it was making me overthink the situation. So then in my head, I thought, okay, how do I record next week's? How do I come back better? How do I keep this same consistency, this same energy? How do I keep getting people to like this podcast? And so I was adding all of this extra stress and pressure onto myself because I was letting my anxiety run wild with these thoughts. So I kind of put off recording this next episode because I put so much pressure on myself and in my mind, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with this episode. So if I wasn't going to sit down and record it and it was going to be perfect, then I wasn't going to sit down and record it. So here I am at three in the morning on Monday morning, the day the podcast comes out, and I am just now recording this because I tried to record this episode a couple times this week. And every time I sat down to record my anxiety and that pressure of you have to be good enough, this podcast episode has to be good so people keep liking it. And that kind of pressure took over. So I kept recording and the recording would be bad or, you know, I would keep putting it off or keep putting off editing. And so when I finally tried to edit what I had, I realized that it wasn't going to be good enough or even manageable to edit it down to have it be ready to put out into the world. So here I am at three in the morning recording this podcast. Hopefully (laughs) this one goes a little bit better and I'm able to release it on time on Monday for you guys. 
So before we get into the topic, which is anxiety, I want everyone to take some time to do a weekly check-in with themselves. I know this time of year can get crazy with the holiday season, so it's more important now than ever to make sure you're checking in with yourself, making sure you're taking time for yourself, um, making sure you're doing what you need for your own mental health so you can stay sane during this time of year. So real quick, if you are someone who takes medication and you haven't taken medication yet today, please get that done. I have been not so consistent with my own medication schedule, so I'm trying to hold myself more accountable. So I'm going to remind you guys, make sure you take your medication. If you haven't drank water yet today, go ahead and grab some water, get hydrated, take care of your body. Um, just drinking water is so good for you, so make sure you are doing that for your body constantly throughout the day. Um, and then also, if you need to center yourself, ground yourself, or just be a little bit more present in this moment, go ahead and do a quick breathing exercise or just close your eyes and take a moment internally with yourself. If you want to do a breathing exercise, that one we did last week, which is the inhale for four seconds, hold for four seconds, and exhale for six seconds. That's a constant one that I use. Um, if you are feeling a little bit anxious, take a moment to identify something that you see, hear, taste, smell, and can touch. And then by identifying one object in each of the area of the five senses, that can help you become a little less anxious and a little more focused because as you focus on those real life things, it'll pull you back into yourself and away from the anxiety and away from the thoughts in your head. So just take this second now to check in with yourself, make sure you are in the right headspace, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So like I said, this week we are talking all about anxiety. Anxiety is my main diagnosis, and it is the thing that I struggle with the most. If you listen to the first episode, like I said, I had my first anxiety attack at the age of five years old, and I vividly remember that exact situation and why that anxiety attack happened. And if you're someone who doesn't struggle with anxiety, you probably hear that sentence, I had an anxiety attack at five years old, and you probably think I sound ridiculous. You probably wonder what in the world could you possibly be anxious about at the age of five? That's absurd. You know, what could get you that worried or upset or stressed? And and that's the thing. It's not like I asked to have an anxiety attack at five years old. It's not something that I'm saying to kind of brag about or show off about or, you know, stress people out about. <laughs> but I did. I did have an anxiety attack at five years old. And for people who don't have anxiety, they're not going to understand that. So hopefully by me sharing my experiences this episode, um, people can grasp a little more what anxiety is. So my first anxiety attack, like I said, was at the age of five years old. At the time, I was attending Catholic school, and it was the day that they explained the concept of death to us. So at five, I'd never, you know, heard about the concept of death or anything like that, but they explained it to us, and then they equated death with falling asleep. So they explained dying is the same feeling as going to bed, laying down, and falling asleep. 
And they also explained the concept of heaven and hell. And so they basically explained it saying that heaven was eternal life. It was all things good. That's where everybody you love goes and they live forever after they die. And then they explained hell, which is a place you go where you burn for all of eternity. You never see anyone you love. And they made it sound like a scary, miserable place. And they probably were doing that just to reinforce good behavior because in the Catholic faith, you know, if you are a good person and you follow all of the lists and rules that they give you to be a good person, then they tell you, do all of these things and you'll get into heaven. And as a five-year-old, the concept of death alone was scary. And then how they equated it to sleep then made me not want to go to sleep because I thought, oh, if I go to sleep, am I going to die and never wake up and never see my family again and never see the people I love? And then on top of that, the scare tactic of heaven and hell just added so much added stress onto that situation for me. So at five years old, that was a lot to take in. And that was probably the worst thing I had heard in my life at that point. So I just remember going home that day and crying to my mom because all I could think about was screwing up and doing one bad thing and then ending up in hell for the rest of my life and never seeing my mom or never seeing my sisters or never seeing anybody I loved ever again. And so I cried to my mom and I was like, I don't want to go to bed tonight. I don't want to go to sleep. I don't want to die. And then from then on out, that was just an internal fear that I carried with me all throughout my life. And I still had this same fear and worry and panic associated with going to bed because I thought that meant like I could die and I would never wake up. And that thought to me was terrifying. And instead of talking about this with other people or letting them know I was experiencing this paralyzing fear over going to sleep at night, I just let it continue for the rest of my Catholic school career, you know, into high school, it wasn't as bad. But to this day, I'll still have nights where I'm going to go to sleep and I'll lay down and the thoughts in my head will start to race. And somehow I'll get to a point where I've let myself get so panicked that I'll physically have to jump out of bed because my mind goes to a spot where it's like, hey, you're going to die one day and you still have this internal fear of if you go to sleep, will you wake up? Are you going to die? And were you good enough today? Are you going to end up in hell? And so a lot of people who don't have anxiety might not understand this added aspect of not being able to control how my mind runs with these thoughts. Um, Because whether I try and take care of my anxiety or not, these thoughts are still going to happen because of my anxiety. It's not like I'm wanting to hyper-focus on this one situation and live with this constant fear for all of my life. It's just my anxiety is fixated on that one thing. And that's something I'm going to worry about for, you know, the rest of my life. And it's something I can only work on. But when I say I had my first anxiety attack at five years old, that's what I'm talking about. So that is kind of my beginning with anxiety. Like I said, I've had it for all of my life. Um, I said this week, you know, I have been experiencing a lot of anxiety. And it's ironic because I am trying to record an anxiety episode, yet here I am recording an episode about anxiety. And I'm still not really sure what I want to say or how I want this 
episode to go. So it's <laughs> a kick in the face when it's the one thing you should be able to talk about the most. Um, it's preventing you from saying what you want or doing what you want because that fear and that worry and that crippling anxiety that I have, it has a grip on me. And like I said, I'm going to show up authentically every single week. So even though I'm not on my A game this week, I'm still showing up and I'm still giving you an episode because that's what I promised to do. And even though my anxiety may cause me to be a little more all over the place or a little less professional sounding, that's not going to stop me. And I want people to recognize that this isn't about putting out the best podcast ever. This is about putting out my honest and authentic experiences. So this is just one of those weeks where I'm not on my A game, but that's okay because I'm still showing up and I'm still being true to myself, even though my anxiety is getting the best of me this week. So for this week's topic, I did a little bit of research just because I wanted to give everybody some statistics and then some facts about anxiety. Um, and then I'm going to dive into types and symptoms of anxiety as well, because I wanted people to get some good information out of this episode. Um, if you have anxiety, you can probably relate to a lot of the symptoms and things that I will be talking about. If you're someone who doesn't struggle with anxiety, I hope you can use this episode to learn more about this disorder and maybe help someone in your own life, because I guarantee there's at least one to two people in your own life who are struggling with anxiety and they might need someone to open up to or someone who can understand what they're going through. So if you can learn more about this disorder and be that person for someone else, that's amazing. Also, if you're going through the course of this episode and you're someone who doesn't already have a diagnosis with anxiety, but a lot of this information is resonating with you, um, please don't self-diagnose based off of the information you hear on this podcast. Or if you go online and do further research on like social media or things like that, don't diagnose based on those sources alone. If you think after this episode, you're somebody who needs to get diagnosed with anxiety, please talk to a therapist, psychiatrist, or a licensed professional who is trained in diagnosing these disorders. So anxiety is actually the most common mental illness. More than 40 million Americans 18 or older are affected by anxiety every single year. That's a big number. That's just America alone. 40 million Americans every single year are affected by anxiety. And that number puts a lot into perspective for me because that makes me realize there's so many more people in America alone who are experiencing anxiety than we realize. And it's funny because when a lot of people were reaching out to me, giving me feedback about the podcast, I had a lot of people say, I don't really open up about my own mental illness or my own journey or my own experiences because I don't think people are going to be able to relate or people are going to be able to understand. And so I only try and open up to people who I know who are going through similar experiences as I am. And as you can see, you know, there's 40 million other people in America going through these same experiences and symptoms and dealing with these same things every single day. 
but yet so many of us feel like not enough people understand or not enough people can relate. So we don't think we can open up to people when that's not the case. There's so many other people right in America who are struggling with these same issues, yet there's still such a stigma around anxiety that people are afraid to open up about what they're going through because they're still afraid that people are going to look at them in a certain way or they're going to judge them or they're not going to understand. So that's why it's so important to continue to talk about these things and open up about these things because if people aren't aware that we're struggling with anxiety, then how are they supposed to open up to us or how are they supposed to relate to us? Or if we don't know that other people in our lives are struggling, then how are we supposed to open up to them? So by sharing these stories and being more vocal, hopefully we can start to break that stigma, break that fear and get more people talking because obviously so many people are dealing with this. So I wanted to find um, some facts and statistics that represented how anxiety has increased post-pandemic. And I was actually able to go on the CDC's website and get some updated information about post-pandemic anxiety increase. And so they said from August 2020 to February 2021, the percentage of adults with recent symptoms of anxiety or depression in this case increased from 36.4% to 41.5%. And according to the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, anxiety disorders are highly treatable, but only 36.9% of those suffering from anxiety receive treatment. So out of that 40 million, that's a little over 14 million that are getting treated for their anxiety. So that's more than half of people who are not getting treated or taking care of their anxiety. So that's a big gap. And that's a gap that that number needs to decrease within because we need more people to acknowledge their anxiety, identify their anxiety, get diagnosed for anxiety, but then also take those additional steps to get treated. You know, whether that's medication or whether that's therapy or whether that's different ways of coping, we need to start getting people to a point where they're comfortable enough to take that next step and receive treatment, receive care, and start bettering their mental state. So what is anxiety? Anxiety is a disorder that is essentially fear-based, you know? Um, anxiety interferes with your ability to function. It's a reaction to situations that you can't control. You can't control how you respond to these situations. And the one website that I was doing research on, which I'll link all of these research websites in the show notes so people can do further research, or if you want to read these articles for yourself, I will include all of that in the show notes so you can access that information. But one of the websites that I was doing research on said, you often overreact when something triggers your emotions as a descriptor for anxiety. And I hate using the word overreact and associating that with the concept of anxiety, because for people who don't have anxiety and don't understand what it's like, a lot of the times when they see someone experiencing anxiety, they just say, oh, that person's overreacting because that person is responding to a situation in a different way than they would. So to them, they think, oh, this person's overreacting or they're just doing this for attention because they can't understand 
the fear and internal thought process that the person with anxiety is going through. So that's why I don't like associating the term overreact with anxiety. Because yes, anxiety might cause you to overreact when you're in a certain situation, but it's not you actively and consciously overreacting. And I want people to understand that somebody with anxiety doesn't want to be having that overreaction. They probably, if you're like me, don't want to be drawing more attention to yourself because then that only makes your anxiety worse because then you have all of additional worries and thoughts going through your head like, oh, do people think I'm overreacting now or do they think I'm doing this for attention and I know what they're going to think of me and how they're going to judge me. So then that adds additional stress and worry onto you when you're already anxious about the current situation that you're in. So if you don't have anxiety, yes, anxiety is you overreacting to a certain situation, but it's not someone with anxiety consciously trying to have an overreaction. They can't control that. They don't want to be in that situation and you drawing attention to it or you classifying it as an overreaction only makes the person with anxiety feel more anxious. So just keep that in mind when you are thinking about anxiety. So in my research, I found that certain genetic and environmental factors can put a person at risk for developing anxiety disorder. So some of the things that I found were certain personality traits can lead to a higher risk of developing an anxiety disorder. So shyness or feeling uncomfortable with unfamiliar people or situations or environments. Um, If you had a stressful or traumatic event happen in your early childhood or even adulthood, that can lead to an increased risk of developing an anxiety disorder. Um, Family history of anxiety or other mental health conditions plays a part in developing an anxiety disorder. So my family, it's not common that you talk about mental illness or your feelings or if you're struggling, you don't really open up about that. Um, And I know a lot of people in my family have experienced mental health issues, but not that many people are opening up about it. So for me, it was hard to diagnose what I was going through because I wasn't aware this is something our family constantly dealt with. So I wish, you know, my own family would have been more vocal about their own mental health issues to then make me aware of mental health in general, but then also the fact that I was struggling with these things. And if you're in that same situation where mental health isn't a topic that you can bring up in your family and no one's talking about it, but it's something your family struggles with, it can be hard for you to come to that diagnosis or realize what you're going through is actually, you know, a mental illness. Don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to start those conversations because that's your medical history. That's your right to know. And if no one's telling you, then how are you supposed to identify that within yourself? Also, certain physical conditions, including thyroid problems and heart arrhythmias, um, can lead to developing anxiety as well. So for symptoms of anxiety, I want to talk about two specific types of anxiety. I'm going to list some general symptoms of anxiety and what I experience when I feel those certain symptoms. But then I also want to talk a little bit about what high-functioning anxiety looks like. So I have general anxiety and I have social anxiety, but I consider my anxiety to be high-functioning anxiety. And I really want to 
differentiate general anxiety and high functioning anxiety because to people who don't have anxiety, high functioning anxiety can look like that person doesn't struggle with anxiety or that they, you know, quote unquote, might be faking it because to people who don't have anxiety, anxiety is stigmatized as, you know, hyperventilating or overreacting or having an anxiety attack. And if people aren't experiencing anxiety in that stigmatized stereotype way, then to people who don't have anxiety, it looks like that person doesn't experience anxiety or doesn't have these same symptoms just because they can't outwardly see it. So I want people to realize that people can have high functioning anxiety and not really outwardly show any symptoms of having anxiety. So it can be hard for people to understand if they don't see it, then it doesn't make sense as to why or how somebody can have anxiety if that person can't like outwardly see it. So I want to make sure people are aware of that um, as they are receiving information about anxiety disorder. So for general symptoms of anxiety, I'm going to run through a short list of just like I said, some general symptoms. There's obviously more symptoms than this out there, but I just wanted to touch on some big ones. So feeling nervous, restless, or tense is a big feeling. Um, like I said this week, I have been feeling anxiety this entire week. And so even though I have had a lot of downtime this week where I'm able to relax or take a break and let my mind not worry about this podcast or work that I have to do or just general life things, that doesn't mean that the anxiety turns off. Even though I'm able to relax or take a second for myself, that doesn't mean that my brain shuts off and I stop feeling nervous or I stop feeling like I need to keep going. Like I can be sitting there trying to relax and take time for myself, but my brain is saying to me, no, you need to be doing more or you have this thing that you should be working on that you need to get done. And so then like that, the thoughts just keep going and racing and racing. And so it's this constant feeling of nervousness or tenseness or your chest will tighten up um, because this anxiety is telling you, hey, you need to worry about this and you need to worry about it right now and you can't let go of this feeling. So that leads into my next symptom, which is having a sense of impending danger, panic, or doom. You know, anxiety feels like you always have to worry for what's going to happen next. You know, you always have to plan for the next bad scenario or you focus in on how can I avoid this fear or danger or doom that I keep thinking about. So that constantly consumes your thoughts. Um, anxiety can lead to being irritable. This is one I experience all of the time because my anxiety will internally stress me out. And then if external factors keep kind of getting in my way or keep me from focusing on the one thing that I'm worrying about, it will start to get overwhelming for me and then it gets really stressful. And then it just elevates to being irritable and getting angry and then snapping or having a quick, reaction that maybe isn't rational but when you're dealing with all of this 
intense internal panic and fear and worry and that's all your brain can be consumed by and then one minor thing that's happening around you can just set you off and that can just push your feelings over the edge which causes you know irritable irrational reactions um, you can also have increased heart rate or you can begin to breathe rapidly and hyperventilate um, i feel like those two go along with anxiety attacks because when you start to have an anxiety attack you start to breathe a little bit heavier and your chest starts to pound and everything starts to kind of pick up all at once sweating is another common issue with anxiety so like i said especially when you're having a panic attack and your heart starts to race and you start to take shorter quicker breaths that leads your body to heat up and almost overheat sometimes so sweating is definitely a common symptom your body can actually physically tremble with anxiety um, you can have this feeling of being weak or tired or fatigued all of the time because you're constantly worrying internally and putting all of this additional pressure and stress on your body that even though maybe you're getting a full night's sleep or maybe you don't even do that much that day because all of the racing going on within your body and the constant thoughts and the constant fear it's draining you know mentally and physically even though you might not exude a lot of energy that day you can have trouble concentrating or thinking about anything other than the present worry so for me all week instead of thinking about what i needed to be thinking about um my focus was just drawn to worrying about this next podcast episode and I just kept thinking you have to get this done because it needs to be the best episode ever and it needs to be perfect and it needs to keep making people happy but I let those anxiety thoughts take over and I let that present worry just consume my entire week so I'm now like I said at the point where it's three in the morning and I'm sitting down to record this episode but instead of you know just getting the task done during the week and not having to worry about it anymore because the anxiety told me that I wasn't going to be good enough or if I sat down to do it it wasn't going to turn out right then instead of dealing with that trial and error and failure um, I just said I'll put it off until I can do it the way I want to and I can sit down and do it perfectly which is not realistic and it's not a healthy way to think but that's what it's like to live with anxiety you know having trouble sleeping yes 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 insomnia all of that kind of stuff um like i said when i would go to lay down and fall asleep as a kid because i had that anxiety around going to sleep and potentially dying you know your thoughts just take over and they start to race and they start to go in all these different directions and one second you're worrying about one issue but then your thoughts go crazy and now you're worrying about a completely other thing that has nothing to do with your current situation which is trying to fall asleep so it's really easy to let your anxiety kind of take over and take control and prevent you from being able to calm down and actually get the sleep that you need so yes trouble sleeping is definitely a common symptom you can experience stomach problems you can have difficulty controlling your worrying so letting your anxiety thoughts run crazy like i've kind of been doing all week um you have a hard time kind of stepping back from those worries and those intense thoughts and 
kind of looking at it with a clear head because when you're in that moment that panic and that fear and that worry takes over so you kind of are almost always in this constant state of fight or flight and so it's not easy for someone with anxiety to pause take a step back remove themselves from the situation and reassess it with a clear headspace it's easier said than done for people with anxiety Another symptom is having the urge to avoid things that trigger anxiety. I find this one to be a common symptom with my social anxiety. So, for example, post-pandemic, my social anxiety has been increasingly worse. I don't even like going out in public for just my everyday basic needs. So, for example, even going to the grocery store provides me with a lot of social anxiety. Um, just being around that many people and in that environment where I overthink and I start to worry and then I create a bunch of scenarios in my head. So instead of putting myself through that social anxiety and worry and panic, instead of going to the grocery store, what I'll do is I signed up for this service called Instacart, which is essentially DoorDash for groceries. So you can put in an order and an Instacart driver will shop and pick out all of your stuff for you and then they deliver it right to your door and drop it off. So instead of going to the grocery store every weekend, I just pay a little extra money and have my groceries delivered to me because that is my way around experiencing that social anxiety. And to people who don't have anxiety, this might sound a little ridiculous. You might think, well, why can't you just be a normal person and go to the grocery store? Um, I wish I could be a normal person and just go to the grocery store without having a mini panic attack every time I walk through those doors or just go and do normal things without having to worry. But that's not how anxiety works. I don't get to turn it off. I don't get to, quote unquote, just be normal. and the more people start to realize this is actually what it's like living with anxiety, you know, the less stigma and the less worry we put around it, the easier it will be for people who have anxiety. So while that might not make sense to you, that is a very real thing that I deal with on a daily basis. Another symptom is the urgent need to escape. So that goes back to that fight or flight response state almost all of the time. You're constantly assessing every situation you're in. And if you feel trapped, and especially if you have anxiety, you can kind of kick into that fight or flight mode. And usually flight is the common response. If a situation is triggering your anxiety or you just don't feel comfortable in that space, then a lot of the times you're trying to analyze it and figure out how can I get out of this or how can I get back into a safe space where this isn't as stressful for me. Derealization and depersonalization are two common symptoms. The feeling or need to be perfect as well as the feeling to people please is definitely a symptom of anxiety. Like I said, my anxiety this week was telling me if I'm not going to show up perfectly and I'm not going to automatically put out an episode that people love, then what's the point of doing it? Because if I can't show up perfect, then that's not good enough. And so I'd rather not show up at all than show up imperfectly. And so that's the whole point of this podcast is to force myself to consistently show up regardless of if I'm quote unquote perfect or not, 
because those are the thoughts in my head that is the anxiety talking when I'm good enough the way that I am. If I show up in my mind imperfectly, that doesn't mean it's not good enough. You know, I am still doing the best I can and I'm still showing up as me and I'm really trying to break out of that thought process with my anxiety, thinking that if I'm not showing up perfect or flawless, then I'm not good enough. No, that is not true. However I show up and who I am as a person is good enough just the way I am. I don't need to add this added pressure of being quote unquote perfect all of the time. And then another symptom that can be associated with anxiety is the feeling of I'm about to pass out. And that's what I actually wanted to include because when I was younger and when I was in Catholic school, I would physically pass out a lot. I used to do it in the cafeteria. We were forced to go to weekly mass every Friday and I would pass out all the time in church. And it got to the point where my mom had to take me to a doctor because it was happening so often. And everyone just kind of wrote it off as, oh, she gets overheated, so she passes out. When in reality, I was experiencing so much internal anxiety and I wasn't vocalizing that or I wasn't telling people. I just was internalizing all of this fear that it started to spread not only to right before I went to sleep, but also into my daily life and my daily activities. So I would be in school and I would start to get so much anxiety that it would turn into an anxiety attack. And then I would get so overheated and so overwhelmed and I would start to hyperventilate that I would just force myself to pass out. And so that is definitely a very real symptom. So if you are someone who passes out because of anxiety, I completely feel you. I have been there. I don't do that anymore. I won't pass out. I'll still get to the point where I start to feel an anxiety attack coming on and I start to get warm and I start to get overheated and I might get a little dizzy. But now I'm able to recognize those symptoms and... I don't let it get to the point where I pass out anymore. Instead of just letting it get really bad, I'll either, you know, step outside and get some fresh air or I'll get some water or I'll just like splash some water on my face to cool myself down and kind of pull myself back and I don't let the anxiety attack take over. All right, so symptoms of high functioning anxiety. High functioning anxiety looks like someone who is high achieving, someone who's proactive, somebody who's social, somebody who has the ability to appear calm outwardly while they're experiencing internal feelings of anxiety. Um, They're able to meet deadlines, they're organized, they're hardworking, they have a fear of failure, so once again, being a perfectionist. They're very self-critical, they have racing thoughts, they're often exhausted or fatigued, and they're afraid to disappoint others, and they procrastinate when they're stressed. So from that list of symptoms, those are all of the symptoms that I've been experiencing this week. (laughs) Even though I have been stressed about getting this episode out, um, I've still been high achieving and proactive. I've been able to get a bunch of other things done this week. Um, I was able to meet other deadlines and get things done. And even with this podcast, I'm still going to get it out on time, even though it's not done as early as I want it to be, I'm still going to get it out by the time that I need it to. So I'm still meeting this deadline. I've always been organized. I've always been hardworking. Um, Those are just common traits that I have. So I'm 
able to, you know, experience those things, but still have this internal anxiety. I'm just really good at hiding it from other people. Once again, the fear of failure and being a perfectionist, like I said, I wasn't going to sit down and record this podcast episode because to me, if it wasn't perfect and it wasn't going to make other people happy, why even bother? Because then I would just be considered a failure or I would be disappointing people and I let those thoughts take over, but they're very real thoughts that your brain makes you think when you're experiencing anxiety. The main symptom on this list that I experience is being self-critical. You know, if you could spend one day in my brain, you'd probably be horrified (laughs) because no one is harder on me than I am myself. If I ever let anybody else talk to me the way that I talk to myself internally, I probably would cut that person out of my life immediately. Yet with my anxiety, I get so hard on myself that in my head every single day, you know, my go-to is just putting myself down or telling myself I'm not good enough or telling myself that I'm disappointing people or people are annoyed by me or they don't want me around because in my head, I overthink and I worry and I put all of that pressure and all of those thoughts of, well, if I'm not perfect, then I'm not good enough. Or if I'm not doing what other people want me to do, then I am annoying or just like not a good person. And those thoughts, it's really hard to silence them out when you hear them every single day over and over and over again for years. So getting out of that self-critical mindset is really hard to do, but it's a very real part of anxiety. All right, so now that we've talked about some symptoms of anxiety, I wanna talk about ways to cope with anxiety. So the top two ways to cure anxiety or cope with anxiety are going to be medication and therapy. So talking to someone, opening up about your anxiety, therapy can usually help you identify your anxiety a lot easier, but then also usually your therapist will help you create ways to deal with your anxiety when an anxiety attack is coming on, or they can give you different um, techniques to work on improving your anxiety. So therapy has been a great help in my anxiety journey. Again, medication is also a way to treat your anxiety. Um, I have been on anxiety medication on and off for a while now, but like I said, when I restarted my mental health journey within the past two years, I was finally able to find a medication combo that worked for me, and I was actually able to get on a consistent schedule for taking my medication. And so once I was taking my medication consistently and I was adjusted to the medication, my whole life changed. Because before I consistently was taking medication, my anxiety was constant. You know, internally, I always had this sense of fear or chaos or urgency that I really couldn't put my finger on. So like I said, when I was trying to relax, I was still feeling worried or panicked or like my body was still going and I never truly felt relaxed. And so when I got on medication, it calmed everything down internally. And before I was on the medication, it felt like inside of my body, my blood was physically like vibrating all of the time. And I know that might sound crazy, 
but if you think about sitting in like a massage chair and you know how you're kind of moving but you're not really moving it's just that little buzzing that's what my blood felt like every single day because of my anxiety and when i was able to get on medication after 22 years of feeling this feeling and then it completely went away and at first i was really pissed off i was angry because it worked so well and i had never felt at peace before in my own body until i was able to get on medication and i was just mad because i wish someone would have told me sooner or someone would have let me know hey this medication can really help or take away these feelings that have been harming you internally for so long so medication has been a great way for me to deal with my anxiety and i always recommend you know giving medication a try but i know some people don't like medication or they don't want to be on it and that's fine that's your decision but um I'm someone who benefits from medication, so I'm going to talk about those benefits within me. But if medication isn't for you, then there are other ways to cope with anxiety. Um, keeping physically active is a good way to manage anxiety. For some people, working out can be a really great way to cope. Um, making sleep a priority, make sure you're getting enough sleep because if you aren't sleeping, then you're usually more prone to being irritable and being irritable is already a symptom of anxiety. Um, eating healthy, changing your diet or just changing your general lifestyle can drastically improve your anxiety. I know there's a bunch of research out there about how certain types of food are better for you to decrease anxiety. So if that's something you're interested in looking into, um, I would suggest just doing a little bit of research. Caffeine and alcohol are also going to increase your anxiety. So if you're experiencing anxiety and you're looking for ways to reduce that, definitely cut back on caffeine, coffee, all of that kind of stuff. I used to drink a cup of coffee a day, at least one cup a day. And now I limit myself to try and do no more than two cups a week, just because if I have any more coffee than that, and I keep it on a consistent schedule of drinking coffee, then my anxiety just goes crazy. And then alcohol, I used to drink a lot in college, but all that would do would be increase my anxiety. And then I would have all of this additional anxiety whenever I drank that I didn't need to put myself through. So once I graduated college, I started drinking less and less. And the less I drank, the more I realized, hey, this feels a lot better when I don't drink because I don't have all of this extra added anxiety. So I still drink, but I don't do it all the time or every weekend or excessively. I'll just drink, you know, one or two drinks or I'll go out maybe once every couple months and get like actually drunk. But other than that, I really don't find any need to drink anymore because seeing how my anxiety is without drinking, it's so much better and so much more manageable. So you can do natural remedies to cure your anxiety. Um, you can do meditation, you can do relaxing exercises, um, writing, you know, journaling, any of that. 
something that I've been doing recently whenever I'm experiencing anxiety is I'll pull out the notes app on my phone and just kind of write everything that I'm feeling in a note on my notes app. And then after I'm done writing and getting all of my feelings out, I go back through and I reread everything I'm experiencing. And normally once I get all of the thoughts and feelings out onto the note, I feel a little bit lighter. And then as I read back through the note, I'm able to kind of take a step back and look at things with a clear mind and clear eyes. And I realize, you know, in that situation, yes, those feelings might have been overwhelming, but now that I wrote them down and I'm able to read back through them, they're not as stressful or they're not as anxiety inducing anymore. So I find that to be very helpful. Um, aromatherapy is helpful. So, you know, you can use essential oils, you can get a diffuser, um, just the power of smell can help with your anxiety. Um, herbal supplements could also be a natural remedy to help with anxiety. And then a, another common one is spending time with your pets, that sense of companionship and having someone else there and someone who can be there when you're experiencing anxiety and worry can be really helpful and comforting for a lot of people. So I know people will get emotional support animals and things like that. Um, so that can be another way to cope with your anxiety as well. So now that we covered some ways to cope, I think we're gonna stop there. I thank you all once again for coming back and joining me for another week. Um, I was trying to be very honest and real with you guys this week because like I said, even though I wasn't on my A-game and this episode might not be perfect in the sense that I wanted it to be, um, I still think it's gonna be beneficial for a lot of people and I really hope that you guys get something out of it. And I'm just trying to hold myself accountable and show up every week like I said I was, regardless of what mental blocks and mental factors are getting in my way that week. So thank you so much again for joining me for another week. Um, next week, we will be talking all about depression and hopefully I will be less anxious so I can really dive into that topic. The research that I did will be linked in the show notes. Um, mental health resources such as hotlines and crisis lines will be linked in the show notes as well. So if you need to get immediate help or you need a resource to reach out to, those will be provided for you. And also the Spotify playlist with the songs of the week will be linked in the show notes. So if you want to check out the songs that I'm linking at the end of every episode, the Spotify playlist will be linked for you as well. Um, and also make sure you're following the podcast on Instagram. It's at the search for serotonin. If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's at Carolyn underscore Farrick. All right. Well, thank you so much again for joining me and I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. See you next week. This week's song is Never Seen the Rain by Tones and I. This song is about a person who is living a mediocre life because they are afraid to break out of their same cycles because they're afraid of what everyone else is going to think of them. And so that fear kind of keeps them in this mediocre lifestyle. And in the song, Tones and I says, you know, 
you've been pushed down, you feel the pain. And I feel like those are common things to feel when you're experiencing anxiety. You feel like there's this fear that has a hold of you and it keeps you in these same patterns and these same routines and it's hard to break out of and you get pushed around because of it and you feel a lot of pain because of it. And so when Tones and I says, you know, you see the rain and feel the rain, that's breaking out of those cycles and breaking out of that fear and finally letting all of that worry go. So I think it was a great song to add to this week's topic. So as always, this song will be linked in the Spotify playlist, which will be linked in the show notes. So go ahead and go check out Never Seen the Rain by Tones and I. See you next week.